special for a lot of different reasons, but dads, we want you to know, not only are you special to your children and your families, you're special to us. We thank God for all of you, and uh, we challenge all of you to raise your children in the nurture and admonition of Jesus Christ. Right now, we'd like to recognize all of our dads here today. If you're a father, would you please stand and be recognized? Come on, dads. Thank you, gentlemen. You may be seated. We are so grateful for you. And I know you don't like to have a lot of fuss made over you, so we won't. But everyone who wasn't standing, know this. It's our day. We rule. Where are we going after church? Wherever we want to go. What are we doing to say whatever? No, I'm just kidding. Hey, at least give us one day. It's the only thing we have, okay? Anyhow, happy Father's Day to all our dads. Now, as you know, during our last series, Radical, I already presented a Father's Day message to our dads to go along with Mother's Day, and so I don't have a Father's Day message today, but we're going to continue with our series that we started last week entitled Summer Shorts. Summer Shorts. Now, it's not about what we're wearing, but it's about the kind of messages we're going to offer each weekend here at Florida Bible during the summertime. Now, we understand that summer's a time of vacation, and you're going to be taking vacation. Believe me, I'm going to take a vacation. And so, sometimes when we're in a series, a lot of folks uh, uh, have a challenge because they say, you know, I'm going to miss two weeks, and then I'm going to miss too much. And, I, and so we're going to do summer shorts, one-week messages that are all one package wrapped in one package so that if you're here, you will receive that message. Now, please don't confuse the fact that the title Summer Shorts means that these messages aren't important because they're very important to all of us in the body of Christ. And so today we're going to take on another Summer Short, and this one is a very serious topic. It's the topic of deceived. The Holy Spirit inspired the great prophet Jeremiah in the Old Testament to declare this in Jeremiah 17, 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? We have learned that that's true, haven't we? The heart can be very deceiving. How many couples have fallen in love and gotten married only to to discover that the relationship was was just an almost unbearable challenge? Why? Because they said, I love you with all my heart. I love you with all my heart. Yet there were all kinds of red flags in the relationships and friends and family members were saying, you better think this through again. But he said, no, it's my heart. I'm going to follow my heart. And sometimes following our heart can have devastating consequences. Or we can make a decision and say, well, it felt good in my heart. I, I, I thought it was the right thing to do in my heart. And it just like, you know, put us on a road to, to really some great challenges or even harm. See, the, the heart can be very deceiving. And if we follow just our heart, it can lead us some places that we should not go and some places we really don't want to go. And look what he says. He says it's beyond cure. It's going to happen. So we have to constantly be on guard against deception. See, because we are engulfed in a world of deception. It's our normal pattern of living every day. There's political deception. We're in a presidential election year. How many believe there's going to be a lot of deception out there in all the campaign? It already promises to be another mudslinger, you know? Education. We have many high school graduates who are going to be going off to college. And they are going to face 
many challenges to their Christian faith. And Satan is going to have agents of deception that say things about our faith that will seem very intelligent and very logical. And the goal is to draw them away from the faith. How many believe that there's some level of deception in advertising, huh? I love these things. You know, someone says, I lost 40 pounds in three weeks taking this thing, you know? Or you have these really ripped people in the gym, you know, who never had an ounce of body fat on them and say, you know, if you use this workout program just three times a week for 15 minutes a day, you can look like them. Yeah, I tried that. I don't look like them. Financial deception. We live in a world of financial deception. That's why so many of us are so challenged right now financially is because of all the financial deception by corporations and and many different things that have brought all these hardships in our lives. There's media deception. Every time we watch a movie, every time we read a book, every time we look at a TV show, we have to understand that there is a philosophy, there is a cultural message that oftentimes is not obvious, but it's there and it can be very deceiving and it can draw us in to accept messages and embrace lifestyles that are contrary to the Word of God. There's the Internet. Oh, my goodness. Is the Internet anything but a, a box of deception? You know, you're constantly getting all these things, talking about this person, talking about that person, or talking about this truth. That I don't even send them on anymore. And when I do, it's very selective, and I always put a disclaimer saying, I don't know if this is one of those internet propaganda things or not, but I found some things in it interesting, because it's full of deception. Even there's, the world is full of religious deception. We live in a world of deception. And that's why the Bible warns us in 1 John 4, 1, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. And you know, we don't need to be just on our guard in the church, and just on our guard in what religious radio stations we listen to, or what religious broadcasts we listen to, because these agents of deceptions are in all the other areas we've already mentioned today, and they're all deceptively trying to draw us away from God, draw us away from his word, draw us our time away from serving him, draw our finances away from supporting the work of the Lord. They're all agents of deception. Now, all of these are very dangerous, and all of them can be very destructive. But this morning, I think there's one more agent of deception that very possibly is the most dangerous area of deception. Very possibly the most destructive area of deception and very possibly the most prevalent area of deception and that is the area of self-deception. It's not enough that we have all these deceptive forces converging on us every day. We also enter into the world of self-deception. And that is so true in our spiritual lives. It's so true in our journey with Christ. And that's why James, the half-brother of Jesus, declared in his New Testament epistle, James chapter 1, verse 22, he tells us this warning. He says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. He says, don't merely listen to the word. 
Because just doing that isn't bringing any change. It's not really preparing you for anything. He says, in fact, if you just go to church and go through the exercise, if you go through Bible study just just to go through the exercise or just to be around some friends or whatever, he says, you are living in the world of self-deception. Unfortunately, many of us enter this world. And we embrace some very destructive and dangerous self-deceptive ideas and behaviors. Probably the most dangerous and eternally, eternally critical of all that a man or a woman could fall into is the self-deception of believing our eternal soul is secure. Now, let me qualify what I just said. The Bible says in 1 John 1, 8, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Now, there is a small percentage of people, and I've met some of them, who actually believe that they're without sin. They're not sinners. Because they equate sin only with heinous crimes. I've never murdered anybody. I've never raped anybody. I've never, I've never robbed a bank. I, I, I. And therefore, in their own minds, they're not sinners, because that's sinners. They're not sinners. Now, that's a small percentage of people because most people are far more honest about themselves than that. And they readily agree that, yes, I am a sinner. I do commit sins. The problem becomes they minimize the seriousness of their sins. See, the real issue, folks, is not how many sins we commit or what category of sin we might put it in. The real issue is not sins. The real issue is sin. See, Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Here is the eternally important fact, is that one sin causes us to fall short of the glory of God causes us not to be like God, causes us to be imperfect. And the book of Revelation says that God will never allow any imperfect thing to enter his kingdom. Therefore, in our sin, forget about how many, forget about how you want to categorize it, in the fact that we have at least one present in our life that makes us impure, our eternal soul is not secure. Furthermore, In Romans 6, 23, the Bible declares that the wages of sin is death. Now, this is not a popular subject today, and a lot of churches are skirting the issue. But it's biblically true. The Bible says that in our sin, if we die in our sin, no matter how many sins, no matter what category of sin, if we die in the condition of sin, our penalty is eternal death, eternal separation from God. Now, think about that. The first sin as a child we ever commit, in fact, the Bible says we're born into sin, disqualified us from eternal life. And think about it. I can't, you can't do anything about it. I can't change the fact that I did that. I can't change the fact that I thought that. That's why this verse goes on to say, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. See, God understood that about me. God understood that about you. God understood that we were in a hopeless situation. 
that we had sin. We were in sin, and there was no way that that could ever be changed. And therefore, God could not allow us to have eternal life. So he had to do for us what we couldn't do for ourselves, and he sent a gift to die on the cross, and that gift was Jesus. Now, mark this down. There's no other gift. There's no other way. There's no other plan. We've looked at that. Acts 4.12, salvation is found in no one else, for there's no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. Jesus himself said it. He's the only way. But here's the good news. There is a way. And it says in Romans 10.9, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, that he is the only way, that he was the only sacrifice that God would recognize. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus, you are the only way, you are Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, the Bible says you will be saved. Save what? Save from your condition of sin. And the beautiful thing is, that you will be saved no matter how many sins you've committed or what category of sin you committed, the sin issue will be taken care of. And listen, until you have done that, you are living under the self-deception that your soul is secure. No matter what denomination you belong to, no matter how good of a person you are, all those roads are roads of deception because Jesus is the only way. And if you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, that is the first and foremost thing you need to do, and you need to do it right now. Even where you're sitting, as I continue, you need to reach out to God and pray and say, God, I want this forgiveness. God, I confess I need this forgiveness. I get it now. Jesus is the only way. So today, I surrender my soul to you, Jesus. Today, I believe in the name of the Son of God for eternal life. See, that's saying, I confess with my mouth Jesus is Lord, and I believed in my heart that God raised him from the dead. And if you've done that, even though simple words, God's word promises you that your soul is now secure. Now, the vast majority of us here today came here to the service today, sitting down, having already settled that issue at some time in our life. But that does not mean that believers don't enter the world of self-deception. Because there's several more prevalent areas of self-deception that we fall into all the time. One is that we can chart our own life course. See, we live in a culture that says, have it your way. Do it your way. Whatever you think is the right thing to do is the right thing to do. Because our culture in postmodernism, as we learn in our Collide series, has done away with absolute truth. There is no such thing as absolute truth. There is no absolute standard, so therefore live life the way you want to live it. Do it your way. Have it your way. 1 Corinthians 3.18 says, Do not deceive yourselves. If any one of you thinks he is wise by the standards of this age, he should become a fool so that he may become wise. It's very easy for believers to get sucked up into this permissive culture and start rationalizing all kinds of different things and say, well, you know, I know the church says that, but that just doesn't work for me. I know the Bible says that, but I think it was, it was, it was uh, contextually historical in that culture and it doesn't really apply to us today. Oh, that's the Old Testament. Or that doesn't really say that. And we begin to rationalize all things. See, we enter this world of self-deception thinking that we have 
the freedom to chart our own life course when we begin to pick and choose which parts of the Bible we will apply and embrace in our behavior in our life every day. And we're doing it all the time. Couple, single couple, together. One of them is a believer and one of them is not a believer. And God's word says that you should not be yoked together with an unbeliever. And we say, well, that's old time. That's not on fashion. That's us. We'll make it. We can do it. We can make it happen. I'm going to pray for him. I'm going to pray for her. One day they'll come to faith in Christ. And we get into these relationships that we have no business getting into relationships. And in a short while later, we're in trouble. And we wonder why. Well, my heart told me, but the heart is deceitful, sir. Or we'll say, yeah, I know what the Bible says about my finances and about giving 10%, but, but th- that was for the Old Testament. That's not for me. I can't do that. Or, or, or you, you pick it. There's a hundred things that we could mention here today where we pick and choose and say, okay, I'm going to obey that part of God's word, but you know this part over here, that's just not very convenient for my lifestyle. I don't have the time for that. I don't have the energy for that. I don't want to use my resources that way. And we enter this world where we think we're okay because we're charting our own life course. And then you know what inevitably happens? We end up crashing and burning. And how many times are we going to crash and burn before we really believe and understand that God's way is the right way? How many financial troubles do we have to have before we understand God's principle of finances? How many relational challenges do we have to have? go through before we understand that God told us the right way. But we will choose and pick. And that is a road of self-deception that's going to lead you to a lot of pain. We also deceive ourselves into believing we can hang with whoever we want. That whoever we're with and our friends and our relationships, they don't really mean that much. 1 Corinthians 15.33 says, do not be misled. In other words, do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good character. Listen, if you hang around a pig, you're going to start smelling like a pig. You hang around the ducks, you're going to start waddling like a duck. Because who you invest your closest relationships with is going to have a significant impact on what you think, how you behave, and the culture that you will embrace. Romans 16, 17, 18 says, I urge you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and put obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teachings you have learned. Look what it says. Keep away from them. For such people are not serving our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. By smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the minds of naive people. Now, we would expect that kind of behavior of unbelievers. Say, you know, what are you, what are you getting to be a Jesus freak? Man, what are you getting to be a Bible freak for? Come on, you know, let's go out. Let's go party like we used to. You, you would believe them to say that. Are you believe the Bible? Are you kidding? That book was written thousands of years ago, and it's just a big hoax, and it's just written by people that want to manipulate you. And, and you really given all that time to church? Are you, you're giving 10% to the, Are you kidding? Are you out of your mind? Now, we would expect that of unbelievers. But let me tell you something. The snakes aren't only on the outside, they're on the inside. And you need to be careful what believers you associate with. Believers are saying, oh, you know, hey, you know, we don't, we don't need church. Yeah, we'll go once a month or something like that. But, man, we can use Sunday to go fishing. Or we can use Sunday to go play golf. We can, use, we, we can do this. And see, what they're doing is this. They are feeding their own appetite. Trust me. 
When people try to get you to lose confidence in the leadership of the church, when people are gossiping to you about other believers, when people are trying to get you to lower your Christian behavior and your standards, trust me, it is not because they want you to earn more treasure in heaven. They're doing it to feed their own appetite. Because misery enjoys company, and if they're going to be miserable rebelling against God, they want some company. And also they want you to do it so that they can rationalize their own inappropriate behavior. Well, Tom's a good Christian, now Sue, she's a great Christian lady and stuff like that, and they went to the movie with me, they went to the club with me, they did this, they did that, they did. And so, well, we end up rationalizing. Do not be deceived. Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. And if we want to be serious about living for Christ, we need to be very careful who we hang with. Finally, we become self-deceived into believing that we are adequately preparing for eternity. There's a whole lot of believers on this road of self-deception. Now, we're not talking about the security of our soul. We've already talked about that. We've talked about the fact that if you are in Christ, if you've trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, your soul is eternally secure. That's a promise of God. But remember, salvation is not preparation for eternity. Salvation is eternal survival. That's the privilege and the gift that God gives us through our faith in Jesus Christ to know that we have a positive eternal experience. We didn't do anything for that. God did that for us. It's every day after we trust Jesus Christ that will determine the characteristic of our eternal experience. See, Jesus said in Revelation 22, 12, the last book of the Bible, the book talking about the end times, Jesus himself declares, Behold, I am coming soon. My reward is with me, and I will give to everyone according to what he has done. Over and over again, the Bible says that. Time is short. Time is ending. Jesus is coming. And all things, all accounts are going to be rewarded for what was done. And we didn't do anything for salvation. So if we're hanging on to salvation as our preparation for eternity, we've got an empty purse. Galatians 6, 7, God says, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Now, we, we like to apply that to unbelievers and say, yeah, you don't like God and you don't want to spend time in church and you don't want anything to do with God. Your, your time is coming. And I hope we don't feel that way because we should never feel that way. Our hearts should be filled with compassion. But, you know, the same thing is true of believers. You know, we think we can just chart our own course, live anything we want. No, we can't. Not to be ready for eternity. We need to follow God's way, and we need to be storing up treasure for ourselves. What for? I don't know, but Jesus tells me over and over again, I need to do it. I'm going to believe it. How about you? And again, Jesus says in the same passage, Revelation 22, 7, Behold, I am coming soon. You hear that over and over again. Jesus says, I'm coming soon. You say, well, it's been 2,000 years. Hey, listen, that's no time for Jesus. For God, for Jesus, you know, a day is like 1,000 years, and 1,000 years are like a day. He doesn't wear a Timex. And, you know, one day when we're with him, time is going to be irrelevant for us, too, because we'll have an eternal experience. We're not going to be on the clock, on the calendar anymore. To him, 
He was just here yesterday. But he says, behold, that means listen up. Pay attention is what that word means. I am coming soon. Look who he says. Blessed, happy, ready is the man who keeps the words of the prophecy in this book. Same thing as James says. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself. Do what it says. See, many are living in the world of self-deception that we are adequately preparing ourselves for that reward day when God will reward us for what we've done since we've trusted Jesus Christ as our Savior. James, again, one, do not merely listen to the word. Because if that's all you're doing, you're just coming through church, you're going through the motions, or even coming, you listen to the word and go, man, that was a wonderful message. But we're not doing anything with it. Then we're living in the world of self-deception. Let's take a little inventory. Just in the past year here at Florida Bible, we've had some series like Stories That Changed the World, The Parables of Jesus. We looked at some of the very words of Jesus, words of warning, words of encouragement, words of direction on how to prepare ourselves for eternity. What have we done with it? How have we engaged it? How has it changed our behavior, our way of thinking? How have we embraced it? We talked about collide. Talking about our culture colliding with our Christian values. And it was really a popular series. We sold a a ton of collide series. And people were talking about it and buzzing. But what are we still doing? What decisions, what guidance did God give us in that series? What course corrections did we make or did God call us to make that we are still living today? We started the year with 2012, the end of the world. And we debunked these, all these doomsday prophecies, but we went far beyond that. And we talked about the end times and about being ready. We followed that up with what matters most. And that series was specifically talking about what we need to do, what the Bible has revealed to you and me, about what we need to do on a daily basis to make sure that when we stand before Jesus Christ, we are ready for him to say, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter now into the joys I have prepared to you before the foundations of the world. We just finished a series, Radical, talking about the radical forgiveness that God has given us, the radical empowerment God has given us. But we also talked about the radical commitment that he calls us to, that he's number one, I'm number two. We talked about the radical challenge of the Christian experience. We talked about radical parenting and radical rewards. How has it changed us? What have we done with what we discovered? Jesus said in Matthew 7, 24, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine, and read it with me, church, and puts them into practice, is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. I wonder, is the rock of your relationship with Jesus Christ, is the rock of your security, of your eternal preparation, are you living on the rock or are you living on the road of self-deception? Do not be deceived. 
Now listen, the reason I'm sharing this message with you today and the reason that I have processed it myself is because it is critically important to us. I don't offer you this message today to shame you. I don't offer you this message today to lay a burden of guilt on you as you go to celebrate Father's Day. I offer you this message as a message of encouragement. As a message of warning. Because there are so many forces in this world we're engulfed by them that are trying to pull us away from our preparation for the life that really counts. And listen, Every click represents a missed opportunity. Every click represents something that we could have done to be more ready, to be more prepared. And every click represents time that we'll never have back. Today is a day of opportunity. Today is a day to store up treasure for yourself in heaven. Today is a day to heal broken relationships. Today is a day to do away with obsessive behaviors. Today is a day to re-engage God. Don't live on the road of deception. Let's bow our heads. Father, thank you for being truthful with us. God, thank you that your word is not just a bunch of roses and just not a bunch of things that make us feel warm and fuzzy. Because we could warm and fuzzy our way right to hell if we're on the road of self-deception about the eternal security of our soul. And Father, I pray if there's a man or woman here today who still hasn't trusted Jesus Christ as a Savior, don't let them leave here without right now settling it right where they're sitting or coming to me or one of the other deacons or elders or pastors of the church after the service and help us to be able to sit with them and show them in your word how they can leave here a new person. Father, the vast majority of us are believers. And so, Father, use today to remind us that today is an opportunity to prepare for eternity, that today is an opportunity to reconnect with you, that today is an opportunity to confess sin in our life and have it erased Father, today is an opportunity to get ready for the most amazing experience that will ever be offered to mankind. An experience that your word itself says, I hath not seen, nor has ear heard, nor has entered into the imagination of the heart. God, let's use this day to correct our course. Take us off the road of self-deception for the glory of Jesus Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen.